Let's do it yes. at the budget. Do it before you go out to eat. Don't do it after you've already ordered the food. This is important. We're definitely about fiscal responsibility. This is not fiscal responsibility. This is thievery. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another ultra exciting episode of the Personal Wealth Coach, where we'll bring to mind such exciting topics as the telegraph. And that's it. Where that's all we're no, no, we'll have some other things to talk about too. We'll we'll do hopefully some stuff that will uh, tickle your brain uh, or at least stimulate it into learning something. But before but you skipped who we were, yeah. Before we do that, this is so the personal wealth say, coach. You didn't say our names. This is uh, with and welcome to the personal wealth coach. And you normally say with with Jake and Jeff McClure. See, we that's our okay. We, I'm we, done. We, I okay, go we're done. We, we have said our names, right. we did it in unison, and you'll never know how many years we worked on that to coordinate it. And then the pandemic threw it all off because everything's virtual and you got this time lag in the camera. And, yeah. Uh, Virtual and AI, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we are we are coming to you. First, we've got to give you a bunch of disclosures. Number one, we are both bald. If that offends you, you may immediately change the channel. Number two, we're both That's bearded. Bald. That's a bald-faced statement. It, well, the bearded part means it's not bald-faced. Oh, that's so, correct. Yes. It's a, it's a bald-pated uh, statement. Uh, so and we're not completely bald on, on our heads, just on the top. Uh, the the front of our heads are covered nicely in fuss. Okay, those are the the very very important disclosures. The not so important disclosures is this is the name the name of this program is also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm and it's not at all coincidental. The name of the program is the Personal Wealth Coach, the name of the firm is the Personal Wealth Coach. The program came first, side note, before the firm. We've been doing this program since 1998 together. You started in 96, right? Right. So, so we have combined about 79 years. No, no, there's no combination of, you can't do that. It's just from then. Okay. All right. Wouldn't it be nice if you can, our firm has a combined 3 million years of experience. It's all the same 3 million people over the first one year. They're all newbies. Yes. No. That, so we've been around a while. We've been doing this a while. We're doing this not as investment advice. Why? Well, what we just said we're registered with the SEC to give investment advice at the firm level. Well, you can't give investment advice on the air. Well, what about all those other programs that tell you what stocks and bonds to buy? That's not fiduciary investment advice. That's somebody just saying, this is cool. This is cool. Under the SEC rules, to give advice, you've got to be acting in the best interest of the person you're giving advice to. And we may or may not know everybody that's listening, probably don't know everybody that's listening, but we may be the only ones listening. So, But even so, it's being broadcast. So there's privacy issues. So what are we doing? We just said we're fiduciary investment advisors and doing this stuff for the firm and all that good. Now, yeah, but now you're on the air and you can't give fiduciary investment advice. What the heck are you two bald guys doing? Hopefully we're giving you some education. Um, we have found a distinct lack of knowledge in the investment and finance world out there. And 
So the blind leading the blind leads to bad things. So we're at least one-eyed or a little bit myoptic one-eyed, but in the land of the three blind mice, the one-eyed mouse is king. So we're going to attempt to be one-eyed mice, if that's not any kind of a mix of metaphors, analogies, and juxtaposition of rhymes and misnomers. There you go. That's another um, disclosure. Our disclosures can be long. Um, just because we're registered with the SEC at the firm level doesn't mean that the SEC has given us any kind of a seal of approval, thumbs up, attaboy, or any of the other things in a dark, smoke-filled room that would imagine that the government cares for us over someone else. They're just our regulators, and we're required to talk about them. They also re they require us to talk about them, and then they require us to say that they don't give us preferential treatment, and they do not. We have not gotten some kind of ordained anointment of holiness from them. They just watch us. Um, but they also watch Madoff, so that doesn't mean that they're doing a good job. They're just who you should complain to if we're doing something stupid. No, not stupid. We do that all the time. Illegal. If we're doing something illegal. There you go. And you're the next one for the disclosure. Hopefully yours will be shorter, quicker, and more clear. Succinct. Succinct, yes. The information we provide on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And he practiced an unknown period of time, sometime early in his career, to be able to say that. Because I, this is another disclosure, he's my dad. We've been working together for over 30 years, but that guy that just spoke really fast and so... Since I've been a kid, he's been able to say that really fast about no warranty guarantee. I don't know when you memorized that. I didn't. You, you were born with that knowledge in your head. I just... Purely instinctual. I read it a few times on the air and finally got to where I could say it. So now you say it very well. And it means that we're not... Uh, that while we deem the information to be correct, uh, uh, I, I can give you a complete guarantee that anything we don't say is incomplete. Yes. All right. Um, what happened this week in the market? Mm, if you had looked at the market at the end of last week and you looked at it again at the end of this week, you would conclude not much has happened. Right. Nothing happened. The Federal Reserve. It's, wait a uh, minute. That, they did actually meet. And banking crisis with headlines everywhere. Uh, we had banking crisis. We had a major jobs report. We had lots of economic information come through this year, this week. And it was uh, sometimes quite contradictory. The market did seesaw up and down, particularly on Thursday. It was down quite a lot. I say quite a lot. It didn't drop below 4,000. And then on Friday, it went back up again because of the jobs report, which, by the way, a strong jobs report. The one we just got is a very strong jobs report. We 256,000 people hired. I think it was 256. Um, 253. And 253,000 new jobs filled, uh, and uh, the unemployment rate dropped back to 3.4%. The last time we saw that was over 40 years ago. So in the past several months, a strong jobs report like that would cause the market to go down because it, they were afraid that the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates too far. However, because the Federal Reserve, in the middle of the week, at a press conference, and Chairman Powell noted that they had raised it accord they'd raised the interbank uh, rate by a quarter of a point it tops out at 5.25 right where the members of the fed were saying it was going to be about 9 months ago and so people are now less afraid the fed is going to crush us with a recession 
and they're now just afraid of a natural recession coming along. Um, and then when the jobs report came out, instead of the market going down, which it has done previously, it went up. Why? Well, because the Federal Reserve just said they weren't going to raise interest rates for a little well, while. That, that was the day before. Right. That was the day before. And that would be the fear if we had a On strong Friday, job. Yeah. And Friday it went up. And you could say that because of the Federal Reserve. I don't know. I don't know if there's any rationality to it at all. I can tell you that the forecast recession that we're supposed to be in right now, according to everything we read last year and the beginning of this year, ain't happening. When you're hiring that many people, and that's way above the long-term norm for hires, and you don't have a lot of layoffs, you don't. Uh, you don't have a lot of people quitting. That means there's more money in the economy that's going to be spent because there's more people working, which indicates this is the kind of thing we see at the beginning of a bull market. Uh, we can go into that in more detail. But anyway, the right. S&P 500 uh, managed to rise 8 tenths of 1% for this week, closed at 4136.25. It's up 7.73% this year. It's about 15.5% ahead of where it was like last October. And it's about 46% above where it was three years ago, which means we've had about 12 or 13% rate of return over the last three years if you were in the S&P 500 which we don't necessarily, we do not recommend, but that's all right. Um, the bull, This looks, acts, tastes, and smells like a bull market. The economy is making the basic noises of a recovery or boom time. Yet all the tea leaves out there are saying the market should be going down, and it's not, and it's very confusing to say the least. Now, on to bronze. The yield on the 10-year benchmark U.S. Treasury note ended the week where it was last week, kind of like, the stock market did, 3.44%. It's like nothing happened all week, and we had these big bombshell. Uh, we had a major bank. All the stuff that happened during the week as far as the markets, the bond markets, and the stock market, basically, they ignored it, if you look at it once a week. Um, <laughs> no news week. Uh, everything same as it was last week. Uh, let's move yep. forward, according and to the market. And the price of oil, price of West Texas Intermediate Crude, which is what we track here in the United States is $71.37, which means it dropped about 6.5% this week. Uh, the reasoning behind that is apparently the demand for diesel is dropping, uh, which indicates perhaps there's fewer trucks on the highway, which is probably true. Uh, I've got some uh, news on that as far as trucking and what's going on. And it isn't necessarily, so, I'll, I'll go a real quick blurb in there just to define that. We had a huge bulge in shipping where we couldn't get enough drivers and the demand for diesel was extremely high. Um, and now we're coming back down to a normal shipping outlook where things look like they did before the pandemic, everything went nuts, which means there's less demand for diesel than there was at the top, but it's still about the same as what it was before. So people are like, is this a recessionary sign? No, it means that we're through the steroids. <laughs> All that steroid spending that we did during the pandemic is behind us on diesel, which means that we're back to kind of a normal market environment. And we're seeing that a lot of a lot of other things in the supply chain. All right. Was that the... That's the market. That's the market. Well, last week, this week now, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, said that the United States Treasury could run out of the ability to make its payments as early as June 1st. Now, folks, that's a month, that's less than a month from now. The bill that passed with 
most of the Republicans voting for it, four of them didn't, that passed out of the House, does not specify where the cuts are going to come from, just rolls the budget back, the total budget back several years. And here's the problem. It is dead on arrival in the Senate. The the bill they pass is dead in the Senate. Even the Republicans don't want that bill in the Senate. We are in a really difficult position right now. If the House of Representatives, and since the House is now controlled by Republicans, it is the Republicans who will determine whether this happens or not, do not raise the debt ceiling this month, then there is a very high probability that the United States of America will default on legitimate debts. That is terrible. That is the one big wild card out there. We've been saying that we don't see signs of a recession coming. This would be all of that would do. All of that is off if the House does not raise the debt ceiling. All spending bill and all tax bills must originate in the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives, not just the Democrats when they were in charge, but the Republicans when they were in charge, raised spending a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for several years. What the people who say we're not going to raise the debt ceiling, are saying is we as a party, let's talk about the Republican Party. If the Democrats were in charge, I'd be saying this about the Democrats, and they've done the same silly thing, just not as strongly in the past. If they say we passed a bunch of bills that mandated by law that the Treasury obligate itself to buy things, now we are going to lower the budget deficit by not paying our debts. That is it, bottom line, no matter what the propaganda you hear. When I say propaganda, there are two sides to every story, and we look at both sides of the story. But right now, the spending bills, it's always true, the spending bills and the tax bills all originate in the House. The House, under both parties, has consistently said, spend a lot more money than we're getting in in taxes. We're not going to raise taxes much at all. But we want, but we uh, we are obligating by law the Treasury to spend money. The way to 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 root to do that is simply to go to pass bills lowering spending. The House can do that anytime. Uh, some of the biggest deficit spending bills that we're paying for now were passed when the Republicans controlled the House, they controlled the Senate, and they controlled the presidency. They could have lowered spending, but they chose not to. They chose to raise spending. I'm not complaining about that. But to turn around and say, we obligated by law the United States Treasury to spend money, but now we're not going to pay for it, is horribly irresponsible. It's as irresponsible, and Jake has said this before, as if you got a bunch of credit cards and you went out and filled up the credit cards and say, we're going to cut our budget by not paying our credit card bills. Not a good idea. Yeah, you've, you've, you've already bought the thing. You've already obligated yourself. You've hired people and you are not wanting to pay them now, basically. Uh, to give a different, this is my great analogy of the moment. Um, back in, uh, the, the late nineties, early 2000, um, the nuclear arsenal of the world, uh, there was a major country involved in that nuclear arsenal. The number two arsenal in size on the planet was the arsenal of Ukraine. The country Ukraine had more nukes than Russia because that's where most of the nukes were stored in the Soviet era. And they said, hey, we don't want all these nukes. We would like to get rid of them. So they invited President Clinton and President Yeltsin from Russia to come and sign an agreement that said that the country of the United States and the country of Russia would henceforth and forever protect Ukraine from invasion 
Because a nuclear weapon is the, the final answer to everything. You don't invade countries that have nukes. So Yeltsin agreed and signed off on it. Clinton agreed and signed off on it. And then Russia invaded Ukraine twice. They're signatories of this. Yeltsin signed it, not Putin, though, right? So that doesn't really... But Russia signed it. It's just... So this, this is the analogy of the moment. We have a budget that was passed by Congress that says this is what we're spending. Contracts have been written. Work has begun on these projects. The new Congress says we're not going to raise the debt payment, the debt ceiling, to pay the people that have already done the work. That's not how you do this. This Congress gets its opportunity in the near future to work on a budget. And if you want to work on the budget, that's when you cut the spending, not after you order the steak and ate it. You have to pay for the steak after you eat it. That's just pure ethics. We have this system in our country that is phenomenal. It is utterly absurd when you think about it. The vast majority of the time in the United States, when you go into a restaurant, they don't charge you before you eat the food. You pay for it afterwards. Think of the amount of trust that's just implicit in that. Can you imagine going to a restaurant where they said, no, you can't eat this. You have to pay for it first. Well, that's what happens at McDonald's. Happens at Subway, fast food restaurants, you have that all the time. If you're at a sit-down restaurant and you order food, they don't give you a bill before you eat because you might want to order more food. This is sitting down. You might want to add some stuff to that meal. That's the way we treat the government of the United States. You don't have to pay in advance because you're the government of the United States. Of course you're going to pay me. There's... And for us to say no to that changes trust and don't be surprised if S&P and Moody's lowers the credit rating of the United States. Don't be surprised because we're waffling on this. We just did it to Italy and to Spain. We've done it to France in the past. We did it to the United States last time this occurred. And what'll happen if we don't raise the debt ceiling? Well, for one thing, the interest rates that's demanded in the international markets for treasuries will rise. Yeah. It will cause our existing debt to be much, it will compound and multiply the existing debt of the United States dramatically. It's more expensive. It will, in fact, raise the deficit hugely if they refuse to raise the debt ceiling. It, it will have a very profound effect. So, what on can the you United do? States and everything else. What? You can write your congressman, you yeah. can signal your congressman, don't fail to raise the debt ceiling. And I know that uh, seems like you're taking a great political role. I, if you want to cut the budget, I'm all for that. Let's do it yes. at the budget. Do it before you go out to eat. Don't do it after you've already ordered the food. This is important. We're definitely about fiscal responsibility. This is not fiscal responsibility. This is thievery. Uh, so yeah, we're about out of time for this week. Thank you very much for among, listening. Uh, Go ahead. Among other things, service members who have done their work, who deserve to be paid, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, will not be paid. Correct. You just don't get paid. If you're overseas and you're in the combat zone, too bad. That's not cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, so we're about out of time this week. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually do read our emails and we do talk to people off the air. This is what we do for a living is give fiduciary advice and management to people that are relatively high net worth. Uh, you can call us locally for voicemail during the weekend, real live people during the week 
at 254-947-1111 or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com where you can read our newsletter going back a long way. Sign up for it. It comes out every Friday. Um, you can uh, listen to our radio program going back lots of years and find our podcasts anywhere podcasts are provided. Uh, you can also contact us through the contact form there or email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, thank you very much for listening. This has been The Personal Wealth Coach.